Lord, you tell us that we can know the truth, and the truth will set us free. As we learn the truth today about the abuse and neglect inflicted upon children, may it inspire us and free us to respond in ways that protect and nurture and love. And may it also free those who have chains of past pain that keep them from fully receiving your love that you lavish on us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. About six years or so ago, I left a career in Christian camping, uh, resigned from Mission Meadows, knowing it was time to do something else. And I call that when I worked in the happy side of childhood. And my journey then took me to eventually the child advocacy program where I now work. Um, CAP, as we call it, is um, it's a nonprofit organization that's part of what's called the Chautauqua County Child Abuse Multidisciplinary Team. And multidisciplinary just means the disciplines of law enforcement, child protective services, um, prosecution, so those agencies that investigate and prosecute child abuse, and also uh, mental health providers, medical providers, and other advocacy agencies that help provide healing services and hope for children and their families who have gone through a really difficult thing. Um, At CAP, we're a very child-friendly facility, lots of color on the walls, uh, lots of toys, warm, inviting place. And at the early part of an investigation, uh, when the police or CPS need to learn more directly from the child about what happened, a parent can bring the child there to be interviewed one-on-one by a trained interviewer. It's more of a conversation than an interview. Non-leading, non-suggestive, so it allows the child to put in their own words what's happened. And there's a microphone and camera in the room, so it can be videoed, but also watched in real time um, by those agencies that need to get that information for their investigations. And the idea is that um, children who have already suffered a very traumatic thing were often further traumatized by the agencies that were trying to help them as they had to repeat their story so many times. So with this multidisciplinary team in the Child Advocacy Program, we try to reduce the number of times a child has to speak about what happened, and we try to wrap them in services that can help. I'm a family advocate there, and my role, um, there are three of us in our Jamestown office, my role is to meet with the adults who bring the children in, and these are not the adults who are uh, alleged to have abused the child, but supportive adults, and to uh, talk with them about how this has affected their child, how it may be affecting their family. Often, uh, if if the abuser is in the family, it creates a lot of uh, turmoil and, and change and trauma for the adults involved as well. And so my role as an advocate is uh, to be a helper, to be support, to help connect them with services that might help them, um, and to to kind of accompany them through the investigation and potential prosecution, help them know what to expect and and prepare them for those things. Um, In our office, we also have two full-time counselors who do trauma therapy with children. Um, One of those is Sean Lennon, who is a member of Zion. Uh, You'll often see him in the first service at the sound booth. He's off with his daughter at a gymnastics meet today, he and Denise, uh, so they weren't able to be here, but you'll hear some of Sean's thoughts a little bit later in the sermon. Um, It's challenging work. I'm thankful to say I work with amazing people both in our office and in the other agencies, and so it's um, very gratifying work, and I'm thankful to be where I am, even though some days it's kind of difficult. Um, in, my tra- in my work there, I'm also the training coordinator. I do a lot of child abuse prevention training, and I've learned some 
rather startling statistics about how common abuse and neglect are. Um, it's said of child sexual abuse that it is the most prevalent health problem children face with the most serious array of consequences. Um, in your sermon bags, if you haven't already dug in there and eaten the chocolate, you can have the chocolate any time. I think of chocolate as a great coping mechanism, so if, if this is uh, causing some discomfort, um, and if you don't like chocolate, I know John Bogue has already eaten his, so uh, you can give him some at the end. There's a, there's a sheet with an orange graphic on it that um, shows some of the statistics. This is specifically about sexual abuse, um, and you'll see there... Uh, its national estimates are that one in ten children will experience child sexual abuse by the age of 18. Um, those are epidemic proportions and, um, and way too many. Uh, any are too many, but that's especially too many. And most of the time, it's by somebody the child knows and trusts. So the stranger danger thing is important, but it's not the only thing we need to teach our children. And so it's very prevalent, and children who have been abused, um, especially with sexual abuse, but really with some other types of abuse as well, they are at greater risk for other problems along the line. Um, As you can see, the little person holding the sign, they're three times more likely to abuse drugs or alcohol and twice as likely to drop out of school. Um, Other emotional, relational, mental health issues often accompany the abuse because of what it does to them. Uh, and their self-esteem, and how they see themselves, and the shame and pain of that abuse if they aren't supported and helped. And not all children are going to experience this. Many children are are resilient, and there is help and hope. So I don't want this to be an overly oppressive um, time today, but I I do want you to kind of get a sense of uh, of what we're talking about here. And again, I said these statistics apply just to sexual abuse. Don't consider the other forms of abuse and neglect that are uh, very prevalent in our society. And they keep children from thriving, from growing into that person that, uh, they, that we hope as parents that our children will become. <clears throat> so I was thinking uh, today about what causes child abuse, what can we do about it, and why am I talking about this in church It's likely the causes are multiple and complex, and I'm not going to get into it a whole lot. I'm not an expert in the causes of it, and that would be another couple of sermons probably. But I believe that abuse and neglect are symptoms of larger problems in our world, Um, the larger problem of that we live in a broken world, as Rick often says, in a wounded and wounding world, Um, a world that doesn't know and fully receive the love of Christ. And without that love of Christ, we are left on our own to um, be selfish, to be wounded, to not know how to deal with that. And I think there are a lot of people in our society um, who have been wounded along the way and, um, and end up wounding others as they go. Um, and I don't have all the answers on how to fix it, but I do have um, some thoughts for you that I hope uh, with the guidance of the Holy Spirit might inspire you um, for what we can do to prevent and to support. Um, Jesus loved and welcomed the children we heard in our scriptures this morning and calls us his children. Um, and in, uh, if you go to your pew Bible, page 1184 is the uh, passage from 1 John that I read earlier. 1 John 3, just the first couple of verses, um, 
where it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. About a year ago, I was thinking about this, and I, I thought of the amount of love I have received over the course of my life. I grew up in a family where I knew I was loved, um, still received that love from my siblings, um, married a man who I know loves me. Um, I have many friends, many of them from this church, who have loved me well. And I began to realize, you know, I am a recipient of love privilege. Um, You've heard of white privilege or male privilege. And I realized I'm a recipient of love privilege. I did nothing to deserve that love. God has lavished it on me. I didn't deserve to be born into that family instead of one who didn't love well. Um, I'm I'm a recipient of love privilege. And uh, I suspect some of you are, and actually, according to Scripture, we all are. God has lavished love on us, not because we deserved it, but just because God is love. Um, In Ephesians 3, and you don't need to turn there because we'll stay eventually in in 1 John. um, Ephesians 3 talks about um, the glorious riches that God gives, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all God's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and deep and high the love of Christ is, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And I love that it talks about how high, how wide, how long, and how deep this love is, and that we may know it, even though it surpasses knowledge. We'll never fully know the love of God until we see him face to face, I don't think. God has lavished love on us, and we are love privileged. Um, For the sake of time, I'm not going to go through all the... First John is full of passages about love, about how God loves us, how God loved us first, and how we love God, and how we are called to love others. So your assignment today, just like kids get homework... You're getting the sermon bags, and you get the homework. Spend some time reading through 1 John. It is just filled with passages that I, that I won't pull out right now um, that talk about God's love for us. So if you ever doubted that or doubted whether you love God, read through there. It talks a lot about that. And God shows us how to love and uses a metaphor of the family, which I find very interesting um, because our, our love among families can be so imperfect But throughout Scripture, God is referred to as our Father. In some cases, God's characteristics are compared to those of a mother. It says, we who know God are children of God, and it refers to the church as the family of God. I think that's in Scripture. I didn't look up that, but we talk about ourselves being the family of God. And when I was talking to Sean about this, about this sermon, and he was thinking about his own parenting, he said, you know, when I am raising my daughter, um, his older two are, are gone from the house now, but he said, I, I try to think about how God parents me, and I try to do that with my daughter. He says, um, when I go to God in prayer, I have God's undivided attention. I can spend as much time with God as I want. He never waves me off and says, sorry, I've got something else to do. I can tell God anything in that time. And so he said, I like to build in time when I'm just with my daughter, and I can just listen to her and let her say whatever she wants to. He talked about God being patient with us, allowing us to grow and develop at our own pace. 
Um, I don't know how many of you have ever tried to change a bad habit or develop a good one. Um, It's not a quick process, especially the older we get and the more entrenched in our habits we are. And yet God is patient with us. How many times have I had to come back to God and say, you know what, I messed up again, Lord. I thought I would do this, and I haven't done that. And God is patient. And can we be patient with our children like God is patient with us? When we mess up, which certainly we will do, God disciplines us for our own good. When I was at Mission Meadows and would teach staff about disciplining their campers, which, of course, is necessary sometimes, we talked about the fact that the word discipline has the same root as the word disciple. And every act of discipline is an act of discipling or teaching a child. And so as as parents, as we discipline our children, um, we can learn from God who disciplines us for our own good. Hebrews 12 talks about how God disciplines us as a father because every good father disciplines their child. And, um, but God doesn't do it out of his own frustration or his own need to release stress, which is sometimes how I discipline my children when I was raising them. Um, but God is patient and forgiving and disciplines us for our own good. And can we be that for our children? Can we be that for all of God's children, even when we're not raising children of our own? And also, parents, um, as those of you who are still actively raising children, Um, can you accept the grace and forgiveness when you mess up? Uh, Parenting is such hard work. There are no instruction manuals yet. Um, And you're going to make mistakes. Uh, There are going to be times when you look back, even at at my age with my children all hitting their 30s, I look back and sometimes have regrets about, "Mm, I wish I'd have done that better. But allow, allow yourself to accept the grace and forgiveness and to realize that as you're doing the best you can, um, God fills in the gaps around that. And because parenting is hard work, uh, I think a famous politician once said it takes a village to raise a child, and I think that's still uh, very important. It takes a village or perhaps a church congregation. Uh, Rick reminds us every time that we baptize a child here or dedicate a child that the care and nurture of a child in the, in the Christian faith is not left to the parents alone, but it, it is all of our responsibility. And so um, I want to talk a little bit about some practical steps that all of us can take um, to care for children here in our church, um, to support families outside our church and in our community, and especially those children who maybe don't have good, positive adult supports. Um, I want to start off with we can pray, um, and I, I, don't, I don't want us to underestimate the power of prayer. Um, I am learning in my prayer life that prayer is becoming more about trying to listen to God and listen for the prompts God gives to me to reach out to somebody, to send a note, to take an action that might be helpful. But it needs to start with prayer because otherwise there are so many things to do that I might get overwhelmed and not do anything. And so we can pray for God to lead us to a person or a situation in which we can show the love of God. We can learn about uh, the needs of children and families. We can learn about abuse and how to prevent it. Um, One of the things that we offer through CAP that we have offered here at Zion and we'll be scheduling in the near future is a program called Stewards of Children that helps us learn how to prevent child abuse, how to recognize the signs, and how to react responsibly if we suspect it. We can support agencies that support children, and um, I have a display table out in the 
in the entryway there that uh, lists some of those agencies. Um, and also a display for Royal Family Kids Camp, which is coming up this summer. There's some information about that. It's an amazing program for kids who have been either in foster care or have had uh, situations of abuse. We can mentor. I know there are a number of folks in our congregation who mentor children through Striders or another agency. Um, if you want to take a really big step, you can consider being a foster parent. Um, there are great needs for good foster homes in our community. And if that seems like too big of a step, maybe you can come alongside somebody who is fostering children and just look for ways that you can support them as they uh, do some really challenging work with children. Um, so this is another time I'm going to have you look at a handout in your sermon bag. It's this blue one. It's called Pinwheels for Prevention. It comes from Prevent Child Abuse New York. And on one side, it has a lot of examples of things that you can do, very, from the very simple to more uh, involved, more extensive. And then on the other side, it actually has a sample pledge card. And I would like you to just take a minute... Um, Kind of look through that, and toward the end of the service, um, I'm going to ask you to think about something that you might do in the next week or two uh, to take a step towards supporting children and families um, in whatever way that might be for you. As God sent Jesus into the world to show us love, to show us how to love, so Jesus sends us, we who are love-privileged, into the world to reach other people. Um, We're called to be light and love in this broken world. One of the things I do when I sit with families, I usually ask them what their support system is. Who are the people that they can go to and lean on for help with the kids or just if they need to vent and talk about what's going on? And many people have good supports, but many do not. And very many do not mention church as a support. Um, I'm not sure where I would have been through my life if I had not had... um, had a church to come and support me, a place to come um, and be reminded through our preaching, through the worship here of uh, God's presence in all of this hard stuff. And so we can be support to those people. We can invite them to church. We can look for those who seem to be on the margins and maybe struggling and and ask what's going on um, in a nice way, not what's going on, but, but just befriend people. Look for ways to um, be that person that they can trust and that they can come to when they're struggling and having a hard time. We won't always fix the pain and suffering in this world. Last week, as, as Rick was talking about uh, doubting, he reminded us that even after the resurrection, Jesus' wounds were still visible. Uh, we can't fix all the pain in the world, but we can help people heal and we can be there with them, and we can help bear the pain that they have. Sometimes just being there is all that is needed. I mentioned the support that I received when I come to church a few weeks ago. Um, I had been working with a couple of kids who really have had tough life situations and uh, don't have supportive parents that can provide resources for them, and I was really burdened with that. And we sang the song that we sang a little earlier, whose name I'll forget, This is Amazing Grace. And when we came to the verse that says, Who brings the chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son or daughter? Um, it really spoke to me, and it uh, reminded me of, of um, that God is at work, whether I see it or know it or not. 
and um, reassured me. And so this church um, is a place where we can come and be reminded of God's good work. Rick challenges, I, I didn't write it down, but I forget what you said, but something about do we, do we have the faith to believe that God can do what God says he will do, that God is at work, that God is at work healing the world? Uh, do we have the faith to believe it? And will we step out in that faith and be part of that answer, that uh, love bringing, that hope dealing in this world? As I close, it occurs to me that um, that one in ten statistic, there are some, I know there are some in, in our congregation who have um, experienced the pain of child abuse. Um, and I know that sometimes that brings with it shame and pain and a sense of unworthiness. And it, my prayer is that you have um, experienced the love of God uh, in your life so that that shame and pain is gone and you realize there was no need for it. Um, but if not, um, I would encourage you to talk to someone, one of the staff, uh, Pastor Rick, be happy to talk to you. I'm not a counselor, but I can listen. Um, and, and, or, or a good friend. Um, we don't need counselors as much as we need people who will listen and affirm who we are, that we are beloved children of God. And as we can open up and receive that love, um, when, we, when that love is lavished on us, we can lavish it on others and bring them into the point where they recognize themselves as children of God. Our scripture says, what we will be has not yet been made known. We're all still growing in the love of God. Um, and I pray that we will um, reach out and see each other and, and those around us as children of God. Maybe they don't know it yet, but they are, are getting there and we can help them on their way. Uh, Pastor Rick had a very moving prayer at our diamond dinner last year, and I asked him to come and, and share a prayer to end our message today. And at the, when he's done, I'll have a little instruction for you about your pinwheels. So stay put after he's done praying, if you would.